Holly G with the Golf Insiders, with Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. Well, I think it uh, was Jim Nance who called it an American treasure. Can't get enough of spectacular Pebble Beach, Bob, and we were treated to a great final round on Sunday, and Daniel Berger double dips two eagles on Sunday, including that amazing putty drained on the 18th to seal the deal. Eagle to win by two. Pretty impressive, you know, um, really, especially coming off having knocked it in the water on uh, – he hit, it before, right? he hit it out of bounds. He, he hit it out of bounds on 18 uh, on Saturday, but still made double bogey. And uh, you know, so to get up there and and uh, you know, blast it into play and then knock it on the green was uh, was was good enough. That was probably going to be enough to win. But then to go ahead and make the putt too was pretty impressive. You know, um, we don't talk a lot about Daniel Berger. He seems to be a little more on the quiet side in terms of his personality. Uh, but, you know, you can kind of see he's, he's one of those pit bulls on the inside, just goes about his business, really, you know, gritty player. He came out after, uh, you know, the COVID uh, reprieve last year and won the Charles Schwab at Colonial and uh, he's been on a roll ever since. He really has. I mean, he, you know, he had a bit of an injury issue in 2018-19, uh, a wrist problem, and he had fallen outside of the top 100 in the world. And at the time of the break, he was just starting to kind of regain his form. Um, he was right around 100th. He was going to have a lot of work to do to try to make the Masters. And then, of course, they shut it. They shut it down. And when he came back, the Masters field was locked in. So his win at uh, the Charles Schwab didn't get him into November Masters. Remember, there was there was a little bit of controversy about that. That's you know, right. Like, how do you, I mean, the the Masters locked in their field as if the Masters were to be played in April, and it made a lot of sense what they did. I mean, it was it's hard to argue it because. They took everything from that point on to be for this year's Masters. But it still gave them some awkwardness. What if somebody won the U.S. Open who wasn't in, in the Masters, you know, or the PGA Championship? It, it was going to be kind of a, uh, you know, a tainted deal there. And it, it, that didn't happen. But they had a couple of guys like Berger who, you know, he had climbed well into the top 50 in the world by that point, but he, he didn't play in the Masters. Uh, so he's obviously had a lot of high, a lot of good results, and uh, and now he's sort of kept it going. And you know, he's another one of these guys who I think you know he has potential to win a lot of tournaments. Uh, you know, he's sort of his his uh, his path was sort of stalled there for a little while, but uh, you know he was on the U.S. President's Cup team in 2017. I think he's the kind of guy that the U.S. wants on their teams. As you said, he's pretty fiery and he's got a got a lot of resolve, so I, I, uh, I'm not surprised by that win, and I, I would be surprised to see him knock off a couple more this year. Well, uh, speaking of fiery, uh, Nate Lashley, <laughs> lashing around a bit with his putter on the 16th there, a shocking four-putt 
after being uh, pretty in control most of the day. Yeah, that hurt. That was can can only imagine his frustration. I'm certainly not condoning what he did, but um, you know, I also understand why he did it. Now, uh, um, you know, he's he's right there with a chance, and now it's gone with that. And even you know, he, you know, I, I think he he felt like he needed a par of the hole uh, to make triple was just you know a, a, a killer. So uh, it was. Um, he's got an amazing backstory, and it's it's it was nice to see him up there with a chance. And I think a guy like that, you know, hates to um, squander a chance, sort of in that manner. Like you know, he he you know just just sort of let it get away from him there. You know, missing a couple of short putts. I mean, at the very worst, he should have made a five uh, and uh, ends up making seven. Yeah, um, probably a lot of players at home that could relate to what happened. And it's very, <laughs> no uh, very uh, surprising when you see it happen uh, with the pro. But um, you know, and and unfortunately, he lost his his temper there and took a little gouge out of the green. I mean, that's that's sacrilegious. This is Pebble Beach, Bob. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he didn't mean to do that. You know, I. You don't want to do that. I, I think a good club slam off the green or, you know, every, everything is more pronounced, too, with no spectators. It sure is. You know, you, you're going to hear the, the the guttural screams and you're going to hear, you know, you're, you're, you know the cameras are going to follow you and, and, and you're, there's no hiding. Uh, so, uh, and look, I'm sure there's a, a fine coming his way if, there has, if he hasn't received one already. Well, he's probably feeling it because, uh, you know, any of these players, that's just a moment of, of embarrassment, too. But we got to see the spectacular scenery of Pebble Beach. You got to hear the waves crashing against the cliffs. Uh, you know, these are moments where I think golf fans, yes, we are missing the roars, Bob. Oh, my gosh, can you imagine that 18th green on Sunday with – with uh, Daniel draining that putt in the moment, um, shades of Gary Woodland in the 2019 U.S. Open at Pebble. Right. Uh, but you know, really, was a treat, and you know, you you really felt like you were playing the course with the players. Yeah, I mean, the benefit to this is we get to see a lot more. Um, you know, the views are unobstructed. You see things you might not have ever seen. Uh, it plays more like like golf. You know, there's it's open. There's, you know, there's no stands or grandstands or structures blocking not only the views, but maybe the wind or even holding up a ball. Uh, so it's far more pure. But I think from, you know, the standpoint of it being a spectator sport that we, uh, uh, you know, that we've come to enjoy, it's, it's just, it's missing something. And, and, you know, look, not having the amateurs was, was, was a different vibe as well. Um, you know, look, I think it improved the pace of play. It improved the overall golf. But that tournament is all about the amateurs. You know, that's that's what it built its reputation on. Um, and uh, you know, I I I think I think uh, it, it is a blow to them to not be able to have that. And so hopefully, hopefully everything is back running a normal by by this time next year, so that they can 
not only bring back the amateurs and the celebrities or whatever, CEOs, but, but all the people that come out there to watch. Another great tournament for Jordan Spieth. Um, you've got to be uh, thinking he's perhaps a favorite as um, we look to uh, Riviera and, and Tiger Woods tournament this week. A couple of wayward tee shots again, which, um, you know, in the end cost him the tournament as, you know, he started out with a two-shot lead. I think a lot of people are rooting for, for Jordan. And then your man, Patrick Cantlay, Man, he was burning the edge so many times I lost count. Uh, you know, a good showing for Patrick, although your man didn't get the win. Yeah, well, as far as Jordan, you know, you, I think you nailed it. You know, he only hit six fairways. And, um, you know, not only does that possibly lead to some bogeys, which he had, especially on the front nine, uh, but it, it, it prevents you from being able to make birdies. You know, it, it, it makes it, it, it just puts the stress on your game to even make the easy par. You know, and, and that's been the thing that's really been holding him back. Also, Jordan, Jordan didn't really make any putts. You know, like he's got to make some, he's got to make a couple of longer putts, and he let some shorter ones get away from him. You know, there were some possibilities, five six footers that he didn't make. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see Riviera this week. You know, he's there's a lot of there's a lot of stress invested in contending two straight weeks. Can he do it again? Uh, you know, he's played this will be his uh, fourth in a row. Uh, it's a lot of golf, but um, you know, he's also been playing nicely, and I think it'd be great for him to try to build on it, to try to keep it going. And you know, Jordan, throughout all of this, he's still a great iron player. You now, the thing that's killed him is his wayward tee shots. And, and when his putting has fallen off, you know he's had some some struggles with the putter, and he's he's gotten better at that again. Uh, just got to get it in play a little bit more. And at least at Riviera, you're not dealing with the brutal rough. You know, it's 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 a much more playable rough. So, uh, and as as far as um, as Cantlay, you know, uh, he's just such a steady guy. He seems to be there a lot. You know, and that that easily could have been a tournament that he would have won if he would have got a few more putts to drop, as you noted. I uh, and I keep waiting for him to break through again. You know, he's just you know, he won the he won at uh, uh, the Zozo last fall, and you know, the, but the victories are kind of rare for a guy who is who's such a solid player and up there all the time. Yeah, um, a lot like Tony Finau, but uh, you know. Um... Tony's been knocking at the door a little bit longer, but Patrick does rise to the top of the FedEx Cup points. And uh, before we turn to Riviera, uh, which uh, we'll get to see Dustin Johnson playing again, and uh, certainly one of the favorites, I would imagine. Big breaking news yesterday. It was announced by the USGA that Mike Wan, the former commissioner of the LPGA, has been named the next CEO of the USGA, and I think this is a very popular uh, pick, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see where the USGA goes under his leadership. It is uh, an interesting move. I mean, I think there was some thought they might promote somebody from within. Um, uh, you know, they did that the last time with uh, um, 
Well, Davis say even before Mike Davis had been a USGA employee, and you know Mike came from a totally different background. He was, you know, he was more of a, um, you know, sort of a, an operations type person. He was a rules guru. You know, he was the director of rules and competition. Uh, he set up the U.S. Open uh, Senior Open and women's courses. He's heavily involved in the on the ground operation. And, you know, they asked him to be the CEO. Uh, at the time, it was executive director. The job as role has expanded now. Uh, and, but yet he kept on those other duties. And, you know, this is not anything against Mike, but I think the job is, is, is more encompassing now. And having kind of a person who's been involved on, sort of on the marketing side of things, which Mike wanted, had to be as the LPGA commissioner, you know, you have to be a big advocate uh, for your organization in that role, and he's going to need to do that. Now, he's not going to be a rules guru. He's not going to be walking with the final group, you know, like Mike might have done at the U.S. Open or the second-to-last group or being involved in a rules issue. You know, there, there's other people for that, you know, and there's other people to get into the, you know, nuts and bolts of, of putting these championships together. Uh, but you know he's got to he's the front facing guy now to deal with the uh, equipment companies on the whole distance issue. And Mike comes from that background too. Before the LPGA, he had worked at Procter and Gamble. Before that, he had worked at Wilson and TaylorMade. So he understands that side. But he's gonna and and he is he is well known by the other leaders in the game from the PGA of America, um, from the RNA. Uh, you know, because because the PJ Tour, obviously, because he's how to deal with them. Uh, so, like, it's it's just, it's just kind of a smooth transition in that regard. Uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, I, I think um, he brings a lot of qualities to the job, and then then he has some shortcomings that that he's going to have to get up to speed on. But that that's fine. You know, it's it's a lot. There's a lot to take on there, and. You know, people kind of wondered when he left, when he said he was leaving the LPGA, if this could be a possibility, because, uh, you know, they knew that Mike Davis was in his last year. And uh, sure enough, it happened, and it happened a lot quicker than anybody thought. Well, he's a very charismatic guy. Like you said, uh, comes from a marketing background. Uh, he's a he's a 30-minute soundbite when you ask him a question. <laughs> Um, so enthusiastic, so passionate about the game on so many levels. And as we know, uh, you know, the USGA has uh, had some hiccups uh, over the past few years from, you know, questions about some of the site selections. Uh, now this whole distance report, which Rory McIlroy completely slammed out of the gate, saying he thought it was a total waste of money. And uh, so there's some challenges, but he's a solutions kind of guy and will, you know, bring the team together. He's, he's also a great leader in that way. You're right. And that, that distance issue is a big one that, that, that he's going to have to sort of bridge, bridge some gaps and, and, and get some understanding of. I mean, for, what, for all of what Rory said, I, I think he was a bit misinformed. Um, you know, they actually didn't spend a ton of money on this compared to what they spend on other things. And given their coffers, it's perfectly legitimate for them to spend money on that. That's a huge issue in the game. And 
what Rory actually advocated is sort of what they're saying. Rory said we should just have two different sets of rules. Like, why should we? Why should they change the game for, you know, for for one percent of the or less than one percent of the golfers? And and actually, what they have put forth is would would actually do that. It would only change it for them. What they talked about for the first time is implementing local rules that would allow the major tours and the major championships, whatever, to to require equipment or golf balls or what have you, then have some restrictors on them, so to speak. And and we would still get to play with with whatever we want. And, you know, look, I'm not an expert on this issue because I understand the golf companies are very, very much not wanting to be restricted. They want to continue to in- innovate. But the way I understand that is they would be able to. They, they could still market us the the, the best golf balls and clubs that, that are that have all the game improvement aspects, and the players would still be touting those brands. They just might have some slight adjustments that would keep them from, you know, you know, adding even more yardage. I mean, it might just be a thing like they can't have a certain amount of loft or 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 the or the spring like effect in drivers is 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 scaled back a minuscule amount. And same with the golf ball. I don't think I don't really think anybody is advocating, or at least the ones that do. I don't think it's realistic to roll back the golf ball ten percent. I, I don't think that works. You know, if somebody hits it three hundred yards, nobody wants to now hit him hit see him hit it two seventy, and that's what a ten percent rollback would be. You know, uh, you know, if you're if you hit it three thirty, now, now you're only going to hit it what two ninety seven. You know, I don't think that's what we want, but I think what we want is that, you know, maybe a hair comes off of that. Maybe the ball spins a bit more for the pros, makes it a little harder to control. Doesn't mean it goes shorter, but you might have to swing a little bit slower to keep it in play. It's 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 subtle, very subtle. You know, you and I don't want to, well, at least me, maybe you too. <laughs> probably would work for you, but like I don't want a golf ball that spins like crazy. You know, I have a hard enough time getting it in play. Right. You know, if it's if it spins more, I'm gonna have a harder time. So that's not the that's not what I'm gonna play with. But maybe look you look at right now, Tiger plays a Bridgestone ball and he promotes Bridgestone and he has got he's got a uh, you know, he has ads for them. None of us play the exact golf ball that Tiger plays. You know, we we would I don't think we'd be able to play with it. You know, I mean, True. it's but but he promotes their product. Now he might promote their the actual one that he uses, but I mean, I don't think a lot of people are actually going out and buying the same exact ball he plays. You know, they're 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 playing a variation of it. It's sort of like Titleist. You know, they're a brand. You know, a, a Pro V One X isn't for all of us. So and and yet, Tyler sells a lot of balls to average players, but they might not be that. They might just they might be a a different version of Tyler. So anyway, this is a long-winded way to say that that uh, Mike comes from both sides of this issue. You know, he's been on the equipment side. He's been the commissioner of the LPGA Tour, where he doesn't want to see their skills diminished. You know, he didn't want to see their players be forced to hit it shorter. Uh, but now he's 
going to head up an organization that's trying to tackle an issue that's really big in the game, which is making sure that these old golf courses or, or newer golf courses even are, can, can be contained and, and that the best players in the world can still compete on them. Well, there was there will certainly be much more on this topic, and um, I agree with you. Based on his background, uh, I think um, he is uh, the right man at the right time. Um, so we'll be watching Mike Wan um, as he steps into uh, these new shoes. Um, speaking of which, Rory McIlroy becoming uh, the first a uh, non-U.S. player to be elected to the PGA Tour Policy Board, Bob. This was also big news this week. Yeah, and I was kind of surprised to learn that, that nobody has nobody who was an international player had ever, I guess he's the chairman of the PAC, which means he'll go on the policy board. And there's never been an international player that's been in that role, which, which is kind of surprising to me. Um, but obviously, you know, it shouldn't matter where you're from. Uh, you know, Roy's a supporter of the tour. He's played on it for years. There's a lot of other guys like that in his, you know, that are that are international players who would have served just as well. I can think of somebody like Graham McDowell or you know Henrik Stenson or uh, you know there's there, Justin Rose. They're numerous. You know, it's really kind of hard to believe. But, Patrick uh, Harrington. Sure, absolutely. You know, and. Uh, you know, just because they're they're Ryder Cup players for Europe doesn't mean that they can't serve the PGA Tour, which, you know, really the PGA Tour doesn't have much of a role in the Ryder Cup. You know, so in terms of in terms of those decisions, so uh, I think it's great. Roy's a very thoughtful guy. He speaks his mind. He's got a lot of lot of well thought out opinions, and uh, and I think he'll serve them well. Well, we've got uh, an exciting tournament. In the L.A. area, we have been talking about this the past few weeks. It was perhaps questionable whether uh, this tournament might even happen due to, uh, you know, COVID and and what's been happening out in California. But uh, this is uh, bringing out the big names, Bob. You know, this has become Tiger's Tournament, benefits his foundation. Uh, so uh, give us a sneak peek on what you see ahead at uh, Riviera. You're right, another great field. I think they have eight of the top ten in the world and like 35 of the top 50 or somewhere in that range. Um, you know, this has, again, become or has remained one of, one of the top events, which, you know, makes those around it, you know, uh, a harder harder, harder to, to track great fields. And although for all the talk about Pebble's weak field, that sure was a heck of a tournament. Sure was. You know, I, I think – I think that sometimes that stuff is overplayed. You know, uh, there's a lot of great players who might not be top ten players or what have you. And so I, I think we, we sometimes make too much out of that. It's, it's a bigger deal, I think, in a, in a you know, for selling tickets. But the, obviously they weren't selling tickets last week. And, right. And, 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 and yet their TV ratings were really good. So the fact that it wasn't like – you know, all the marquees, obviously having Jordan in the mix, I think helps. But this week, you know, they're all there, or a lot of them are there. 
And, uh, you know, they love the golf course. It's, it's amazing what, what brings them out. The golf course often does. Riviera is one of the best. Uh, so, uh, and it looks like they're going to have some good weather. Uh, the last couple of years, it hasn't been that great. It's been really cold. Uh, the two years ago, it was really rainy. But this year, it looks like it's going to be nice. And I think that's a big help as well. Well, we won't see Tiger because he's still recovering from his surgery. But as you said, just a loaded field. Um, are you going back to back with your man Cantley? Who's your Who's your pick? You know, it, I'm tempted. I mean, I think it's another great golf course for him. It it, uh, it it suits him beautifully. It's hard to not go with him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him there. Uh, but you know what? I'm I'm going to pick Adam Scott, the defending champion. Wow. Um, another guy who loves Riviera. Seems to get fired up to play there. Um, and, and, you know, obviously hasn't won since. Um, obviously we've missed a lot of weeks, and Adam was one of the last ones to come back after the after they restarted. Uh, but, I, you know, I think he's, you know, he was in contention at Torrey a couple weeks ago, um, and uh, he's got a big stretch coming up in Florida. I think he wants to get going here. Well, I'm pretty excited because uh, you just mentioned it. They're going to be heading to Florida next week to the Concession Golf Club in Bradenton, just uh, outside Sarasota on the, on the beautiful west coast of Florida for the World Golf Championship. And uh, then we start the Florida Swing, Bob, and it's going to be fun. Always appreciate your time. And... Uh, hopefully, uh, maybe seeing you at the Arnold Palmer here in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Thank you.